Rich Conti again with another episode of the CDC Tech Live podcast, coming to you from the podcast studio inside the Charleston Digital Corridor's flagship incubator on Morrison Drive. If you haven't checked out our last episode, we spoke with Drew Wagner, the founder and CEO of SatQuote, a rapidly growing startup and resident of the CDC Tech Center. In today's episode, we talk with the CEO of another CDC Tech Center resident. He's got an interesting resume with experience in a variety of divergent industries, and I'm really looking forward to hearing about his journey as an entrepreneur. This episode is brought to you by Vistio. Vistio's unique approach to optimizing contact centers uses proprietary technology and AI to enhance the abilities of each agent instead of replacing them, quickly turning new hires into agents and agents into subject matter experts. Visit them at vistio.io to learn more. Our guest on this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast is Zach McNamara. Zach is CEO of Portside Technologies and ISOFI. Welcome to the show, Zach. Thanks, Rich. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining us. Zach, uh, tell us about Portside Technology, the solution and services you offer, customers you serve, the team, and what you see as your unique value proposition. That's, that's a lot it to is. cover. <laughs> um, yeah, so I founded Portside Technology three years ago, actually three years, just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. We celebrated our three-year anniversary, and Portside was founded, you know, typical entrepreneur story. It was me in our spare mm-hmm. bedroom, a little desk mm-hmm. in the corner, and the original mission statement wasn't even a mission statement. It was, mm-hmm. we, we want to help. And that was, that was basically what the website said. So taking knowledge and skills and experience that I had accumulated over time and kind of taking the show on the road and just kind of seeing who uh, who I could help in the local Charleston market, whether mm-hmm. that was through, you know, managed services, kind of outsourced IT model or managing projects, you know, upgrades, additions, things like that. Anyways, fast forward three years later and a lot has happened in that time, we obviously built up from, from me in their spare bedroom to mm-hmm. um, you know dozens of folks now on the team. And we've got a really robust and exciting managed services division, more or less, that we act as an extension of local companies, uh, lots of small businesses mm-hmm. in the area. We act as an extension of their team. So yeah. we say, you know, you don't want to deal with IT. You mm-hmm. uh, have no idea what IT even <laughs> is. You know, we can come alongside and partner with you. And I think, you know, there's probably two things that really resonate as far as value prop here locally. Mm-hmm. And that's that we don't take a one size fits all approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not forcing you into some program that we have and mm-hmm. what you have to do. We we meet with you. We want to get to know you and your mm-hmm. team and how you operate and, you know, figure out what what you need. And sometimes that's a full solution. Sometimes that's just picking up some slack. Sometimes maybe you have an IT manager and and he or she is just completely overwhelmed and just needs some help. Mm. We have all different types of services that that we can provide on that front. The second thing that I'll say on the value prop front is uh, relational. And that's one of our core values. You know, we go out of our way to help. We want to serve the folks that we work with. We're not afraid to go on site. We're not just, Mm -hmm. you know, sitting away in the office at the computer screen answering support tickets. We really do want to build a a relationship and their success is our success. Mm -hmm. So we are completely aligned in that. That message has really resonated here locally um, on the managed services front. 
along the way, we've also done a lot of project work. So folks that are building something new, expanding, looking to upgrade, we can be uh, kind of a one-stop shop for everything from Wi-Fi and networking to access control mm-hmm. to CCTV, you know, cloud printing, the list, you know, kind of goes on where you don't have to manage, you know, 20 different vendors to to build something or right. to deploy something. We're kind of, again, act as an extension of your team and manage all of that on your behalf and make sure that once you buy everything, it all is going to work together and there's a cohesive design behind it too. Yeah, you mentioned accumulated skills and experiences. You've had an interesting background with stops in entertainment, higher ed, real estate. Maybe talk a little bit about that background and how you wound your path through those different industries and maybe some of the lessons you've taken from each. Yeah, it it has been an interesting journey yeah. uh, in, in several different industries. I got my first full-time tech job mm-hmm. when I was in high school. I, mm-hmm. I think I was 16 or 17 years old. I'm in my early 30s now, so, you know, 15-ish years at this. And along the way, um, my first job was in AV production, uh, Mm -hmm. so like concert production, basically. I had always kind of gravitated towards technology as a child and Mm -hmm. was just enthralled by it. And this opportunity came up with a friend of a friend in high school and basically wrapping cables after concerts. (laughs) That that was, that was the job. (laughs) So, you know, I would be there in these, you know, wherever I went to high school in Shelby, North Carolina, Mm -hmm. kind of out in the sticks Mm -hmm. a little bit. So it would be at a, at a barn or a farmer's Mm -hmm. market or whatever. And I would be the guy there at, you know, 11 PM midnight, just wrapping cables and packing Mm -hmm. equipment up and that kind of thing. And anyways, I went to to college at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. Go Niners, of course. Mm-hmm. Got a part-time job there as a technician in the Student Activity Center in the mm-hmm. arena at the time. And again, AV stuff, you know, working events, working basketball mm-hmm. games, volleyball games. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I also got introduced to a local production company, kind of more of the concert gigs. So I was a full-time student. I was working part-time at the university. I was also working full-time at this production company in Charlotte and got to see a lot of cool things. I worked with a lot of cool artists that would come mm-hmm. through. It was interesting. I think the biggest takeaway from that season of life, you know, really through college, I was, I was working all those jobs mm-hmm. and trying to be a full-time student. I was actually studying to be a high school history teacher Mm -hmm. of all things and ended up after starting Mm -hmm. student teaching, I was like, this is not for me. (laughs) So kind of gracefully bowed out of that path a little bit. I still got my degree Mm -hmm. in history and all that, but continued down the technology lane. And through that season, I think what I learned most was um, just grit and hard work. You show up to a job site at 6 a.m. and you got to unload everything in a parking lot for a concert that night. And you got to work the event, of course, and then you got to pack it all up after that. So you're there until 2, 3 a.m. I'm sure there's some labor laws against that (laughs) now, but um, you, you learn the value of hard work. And probably more importantly is you have to just figure stuff out. Yeah. You know, the, the show has to happen. Whether or not you're ready at eight o'clock, doors are opening yeah. and you got to you gotta figure it out. Something's not working. You got to get the soldering iron out and you got to fix yeah. the cable. You know, you got to climb up on some truss and fix a light that's mm-hmm. not behaving correctly. Those were some pretty important lessons um, in that season of life. So after that, I um, spent some time uh, actually at a house of worship as their media director mm-hmm. over everything from IT to AV and producing Mm -hmm. services uh, and events for the congregation. 
learned a lot there, managed a team of uh, dozens of volunteers, got some hard knocks in leadership there, you know, managing a bunch of unpaid volunteers is uh, interesting to say the least. And then from there, I actually went back to UNC Charlotte as an assistant technical director and reported to a guy by the name of Eric Anderson, who I still keep in touch with. He's a friend, mentor of mine. And I was at UNC Charlotte for, uh, I think, three or four years in that next stop. What Eric taught me and what I gained from that experience more than anything is just how to build a team and the tension between creating a safe environment for folks and challenging folks. Eric did a phenomenal job of threading that needle, making sure that people felt safe and Mm -hmm. that it was okay to make mistakes and that it's okay to learn. Uh, And of course, you're in the higher education environment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you have a posture of continuous learning. You're you're kind of in that, but also holding folks to account and challenging people and um, not so much about you do this or do that, but make you better. And what are you learning? You know, how are you progressing? So that was a probably a big theme of that season in life. And then after that, I got a wild hair and mm-hmm. I applied for a, an AV integration project management mm-hmm. job in New York City, of all mm-hmm. places. Wow. I was just kind of looking for a change yeah. and I had been doing some project management, you know, in my role at the university over those few years. Long story short, I interviewed for a job and a month later I was living in Manhattan wow. and that was quite an experience as well. I was in that job for about a year Work with some really cool clients in Manhattan, like Live Nation and mm-hmm. VH1. And Einstein College of Medicine was the, the bane of my existence. That was a massive project we were doing for that university that was one of mine, uh, fitting all of their classrooms in about a, I think it was a four-week time period wow. over the summer to smart classrooms. <laughs> Lots of lessons learned there, uh, especially in that environment. The You don't have to be perfect, but you have to be pretty close to perfect. (laughs) And the project managers and various stakeholders that you're delivering projects for, especially in New York City, they have no problem calling you out Mm. and keeping you on your toes throughout the entire project life cycle. So anyways, my last stop before branching out into entrepreneurship was at a company called Serendipity Labs. They're based in Rye, New York, a little Mm -hmm. north of Manhattan, and they were and are in the business of uh, flexible workspaces. When I joined the team there, I was the IT project manager. Mm -hmm. They had about, I think they were opening location number five when I joined. And when I left, they were, I think, at about 35 or 40 Mm -hmm. locations and going international and very exciting, you know, season for that company. And I was tasked with basically building up the technology team and the technology program to deploy their platform, the technology platform to all these new sites Um, and working with franchisees. It was a franchisee model. Some were corporate, some were franchise and figuring out (laughs) how Mm -hmm. to to build that alongside a gentleman by the name of Vinay Kantak, who CIO there, another friend and mentor. And I think what the takeaway from that season more than anything is just how to think about process Mm -hmm. and how to think about scalability Mm -hmm. and modularity. And I I give credit to Eric for giving me the tools to just be a decent human being and build a team and some of those soft skills that people take for granted. And I give Vinay credit for, you know, giving me some of the just business thought and just how to to think about things and how to think about technology platform and a lot of the things that go into that. So 
I did that for a few years at Serendipity Labs. I ended up leaving there with the title of VP of Platform Services. Mm -hmm. And I had always wanted to branch out and kind of do my own thing. Mm -hmm. And the opportunity presented itself. And that was three years ago. So here we are now. (laughs) Well, talk about that opportunity. And sort of like you said, you'd always had an interest in entrepreneurship. But how did it crystallize into actually, you know, taking those first steps down that path? Because it's different to sort of have something on your mind and then to actually take concrete steps to pursue that as really your livelihood and it can be a pretty momentous thing. And so what was that like for you? (laughs) Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting. You know, I'd always had that passion and desire to do something on my own. I was the kid that was like, having like the lemonade stand. Yeah, like yeah. I just loved like figuring that out yeah. and like, you know, what's the cost of the cups? And I should start polling all entrepreneur guests to see, you know, did you have a check, a lemonade yeah, right. stand? Yep. It's like a rite of passage. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so I had always kind of had that, that bug, v- Vinay, yeah. mentor at Serendipity Labs, he calls it a bug, the entrepreneurial bug, you know, you kind of just have it. So the opportunity presented itself and it was in a weird time for everybody. I mean, this was mm-hmm. in the middle of COVID. This yeah. was 2020. Lots of uncertainty. And why I decided to make the decision at that time was because I I could, like practically I could. Yeah. My wife was working and mm-hmm. we were stable. And it was just kind of one of those things, if, if not now, then when? when? Yeah. 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 So I told myself, I'm going to, I'm going to give it my all for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're three years into that yeah. now. <laughs> and let's just see what, what can happen. Let's see what I can build. Let's challenge myself um, in that. And of course, I'm saying let's in the third mm-hmm. person because I'm, I just think that way. But that's kind of what propelled it was, if not now, when, you know, yeah. that kind of thought. And some things that I have learned along the way, mm-hmm. and perhaps some things that I've, maybe wish I had known, you know, three years ago is entrepreneurship is consuming, all consuming. I think if you would have asked me three years ago, if I knew that, I'd say, oh yeah, of course, you know, entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. yeah." But you don't really know it until you're in it. And I think about the businesses, you know, both Portside Technology and ISOFI, 24 seven, 365. Yeah. There is always a thought in the back of my brain as to something with the business. Yeah. And you have to be ready for that. It's consuming in the time it's consuming in your thought. You have to be financially ready to do this. Yeah. I had heard it said before, you know, be ready to not take a paycheck for two years. Yeah. And that is very true. And <laughs> there's something to be said for just resources and having resources available to grow yeah. and to pivot and to hire when you need to hire. But also I think it's an important mental shift as well in that for those couple of years, you are constantly putting the businesses and the team ahead of ahead of you. And if you ingrain that into yourself, you know, those first couple of years, then you're going to be much more successful down the line. Just the other bit of it is the time commitment. It is not uncommon for me to be up at all hours of the yep. night, all hours of the morning, doing things, answering emails, mm-hmm. trying to answer emails, mm-hmm. keeping up with different KPIs in the business mm-hmm. and different projects and initiatives. And I think just this month I was in about a dozen different cities. And wow. that sounds uh, really fun and exciting until you're you're on the <laughs> hotel bed, you know, like the third or fourth night in a row and you're like, okay, I kind of miss home. But it, it's also, um, there's a lot of excitement in that. And if you can find excitement in that, and you're ready for that level of commitment, then, you know, this entrepreneurship thing is, is for you. Uh, it's, it's definitely not for the faint fart. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned going up in North Carolina, spending time in Charlotte, and then a stop in Manhattan. What brought you to Charleston? 
I don't have a good answer for that one. <laughs> I think the short answer is my wife just loved Charleston. Yeah, yeah we were in New York for a few years. Uh, met my wife mm-hmm. in New York. She was living in Queens. Uh, she was a fashion designer at Steve Madden. I was living in Midtown Manhattan. We met up there. We dated. We got engaged. Mm-hmm. A lot of our big life events mm-hmm. happened in New York. And, you know, I think we had both just realized that this was not for us. My wife's yeah. from a place called Normal, Illinois. Mm-hmm. That the most like Midwest of Midwest <laughs> places, I think. Uh, especially with a name like normal, but the New York lifestyle just wasn't for us. It was stressful, just crazy things. And I joke about this a lot, but you know, just like going to the grocery store in New York is like a production, you know, you have to, you have to like go to the store and you have to carry whatever you buy back to your apartment. Mm -hmm. It's not just like hopping in the car and going Mm -hmm. to the store, you know, little things like that, that we take for granted laundry service in Manhattan. That was a new one Mm -hmm. to me. I'm just used to having a washer and dryer in my apartment, you know, before I moved up there. I think after a few years, we were just kind of like, we don't, we don't have to live this way. And it was between Charleston, South Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, you know, kind of back to where I, I grew up and worked for a long time, or Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. And I got a lot of family in Greenville. And we spent some time in all three, and we just decided, hey, we, we love Charleston. Uh, we, we love the water. We love the, the lifestyle down here. So we can't complain. Yeah. Well, you talk about that not being a great answer. It's actually a really frequent answer that I hear. Right. And it's mm. sort of my story too. You know, I was living and working up in the Boston area, grew up there my whole life and wanted to change. So a lot of what you talked about in Boston is different than New York, but still, I always say there are things growing up there that you just take for granted as being are just difficult and have to be difficult. And then you move somewhere else <laughs> and you're like, wait, this is much easier. And yeah. yeah, it's, it's a common thing. It's just, you know, people fall in love with the city and if they've got the opportunity, they, they decide to do it. So it's great. Yeah. We love Charleston. We will have been here for, actually, I think we just crossed the four-year mark. Mm-hmm. No plans of leaving anytime soon. That's great. <laughs> well, talk about the experience here as a tech center resident. How did that come about and what's been your experience so far? Yeah, so we are new residents of the Charleston Tech Center here. It was kind of a a perfect timing of some things. We had a great problem. We ran out of space. Uh, didn't, <laughs> Good didn't, problem to have. Yeah, great yeah. problem to have. Didn't have enough space for a lot of the shipping and receiving that we were mm-hmm. doing, not enough desk space. Anyways, we were hiring. We, we still are hiring like crazy, but it's, mm-hmm. again, all good problems to have. We've been members of the Charleston Digital Corridor, I think, for a couple of years now. That was actually one of the first organizations that I joined after Mm -hmm. I founded Portside Technology. Love the environment. Really wanted a a place where the team could interact with other folks in the industry. The the casual conversations that happen in the kitchen or you you bump into somebody at the hall or there's an AWS meetup happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the team is leaving at the time those folks are coming in. So there's some overlap. And, oh, what is this? Let's check this out. So it's a cool environment. Also, you can't beat the location. It's super central. You know, we can get to a ton of our clients in 15 to 20 minutes and just about any direction. Uh, it's good. And you know, the elasticity here, <laughs> we started with one office and then we attached, we got a second office a month ago, and then we just got a third office <laughs> this mm-hmm. past week. So we're already quickly outgrowing the CDC, I think. Mm-hmm. But no, all good problems to have in this kind of environment and that elasticity has, has been phenomenal for our journey, especially in this still kind of the early days of, yeah. of growing and doing and um, us having a, a space where we can do that in. Yeah. You mentioned the CDC is being one of the first organizations you joined. What other experiences sort of have you had as you plugged into the local tech and entrepreneur communities here? Yeah, I've had a mixed bag on that. Okay. Um, you know, we were members of the the chambers, you know, the mm-hmm. Charleston okay. Chamber, Mount Pleasant Chamber. 
we are members here at Charleston Digital Corridor. It's been a little tough, and I think the Charleston Digital Corridor provides a really unique organization and really solves a need in the community. The chambers serve their purpose. You know, the Charleston Chamber yeah. is really focused on a lot of legal issues and government relations yeah. and things like that, and there's there's a place for that. Uh, but when you're just trying to grow and you're trying yeah. to figure things out, you're not quite thinking about any of that yet. Yeah. You know, the Mount Pleasant Chamber has been really helpful. We've done events with them. We've actually done events with the North Charleston Chamber as mm-hmm. well, um, made some great connections met some small businesses there. Those organizations have been super helpful. But yeah, you know, we're, we're still figuring this out. We're still yeah. kind of the new kids on the block mm-hmm. um, in, in a lot of the sense. So the Charleston Digital Corridor has probably been the first one that we've really got our foot in and really have found a lot of value in the tech community here. What does success look like, say, two, three years down the road for Portside? Yeah, that's a good question. Some, some really cool things happened for Portside that I kind of glossed over earlier, but we've merged with another local uh, MSP company mm-hmm. called ZTech led by mm-hmm. a gentleman by the name of Zach Hogaboom, who's now mm-hmm. our CTO. We folded um, you know, his business into Portside. Uh, we also acquired a company called Isofy, which mm-hmm. is a network management platform um, really built for co-working spaces, flexible workspaces that has really gained a lot of traction. Um, there was a nice existing clientele you know, base there mm-hmm. that we continued to serve, and it has grown exponentially in, in the last mm-hmm. year and a half, especially in this interesting time for the commercial real estate mm-hmm. industry as a whole. Uh, you know, there's a whole conversation about the future of work and, mm-hmm. you know, you read headlines every day about empty offices and return mm-hmm. to work. And then you think about the impacts of that to the folks that own those buildings or right. operate those buildings, mm-hmm. you know, is that an opportunity for more flexible workspaces? We think yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. And there's a lot of much smarter folks than me that mm-hmm. think yes. So anyways, along the way, two incredible things have happened um, in Portside's history. And I don't know what's going to happen in the next two or three years. And that's kind of the excitement of it. I don't I don't know. I mean, with ISOFI, it's on such a growth rocket right now Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, we serve clients from coast to coast. We have international clients in Canada, Australia uh, and the UK. Expect that to keep growing exponentially for Portside. The last month we've had about 30% 30% or so managed service growth mm-hmm. uh, in the business. So I, I don't know. It, it's a very exciting place to be. You know, we do have aspirations to kind of take the show on the road with Portside Technology yeah. to some other, you know, maybe tertiary markets, especially in the Southeast, places like Savannah or Greenville, because mm-hmm. we think that our our mission and our values uh, really resonate in places like that. So maybe we'll be talking at the CDC Greenville one day or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the roadmap is just to continue to, to serve as many folks as we mm-hmm can and develop relationships as much as we can. And, you know, another lesson that I've kind of picked up along the way is you have doors that open and when they open, you know, walk through them and, yeah. and walk through them quickly and, and seize that opportunity. And then you have doors that close. And when they close, you run away from them. Don't yeah. don't spend much time on them anymore through these opportunities. You know, the doors that are opening mm-hmm. and closing, you got to put it through the lens of <laughs> I'll steal a line from uh, Mary Jo Romeo, mm-hmm. who's an executive coach here in Charleston. I worked with a bit and, and still do. She has this line value equals value mm-hmm. and make sure that in the opportunity, you know, the value that you're deriving matches the value that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean 50 50 every time right, right. you know if, if their 80 percent value is your 20 percent value then fantastic you know value equals value so it's just about identifying opportunities and walking with confidence through the ones mm-hmm. where you know v equals v as mary joe would say mm-hmm. and closing the doors and staying focused on the ones that don't make sense either 
Yeah, that's really refreshing. You know, there's always so much of a focus on growth and it sometimes starts to feel like growth for growth's sake and everything serves that. But there's something really powerful about doing good work, serving customers, and as you said, seeing what opportunities emerge out of that and let that organically drive the growth rather than it having to be this sort of cultivated, always the focus of what's next, what's next. So that's, that's really powerful. Yeah, I think so. And I think that really resonates with a lot of our customers mm-hmm. too. We're not here to, you know, make a buck just to make a buck. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really here to provide value. Mm-hmm. And in whatever way we can do that, whether it's, you know, on a project or, you know, us acting as an extension of your mm-hmm. team or on the ISOFI side, hey, your community manager that's running your flexible workspace, they don't have time to think about Wi-Fi connections and making sure that folks are right. in secure networks. They don't even know what that means half the time. And it's just offloading these things that people either can't deal with, don't want Mm -hmm. to deal with so that they can get back to what they do best. You know, I say this internally, their mission, you know, our client's mission Mm -hmm. kind of becomes our mission in a way. We want to empower them to be able to do what what they're good at, what what they're passionate about. And we do that by offloading these things that we have the experience for, we have the skill set for and adding value in that way. Well, where can listeners go to learn more about Portside Technology and ISOFI? Yeah, well, I, I guess first and foremost, you know, stop by the Charleston Tech Center. Come say, hey, go. floor two. We've got several offices here. Just just knock on one. It might be mm-hmm. ours. <laughs> Uh, but no, you can go to portsidetechnology.com, check it out there. You can go to isofy, I-S-O-F-Y dot tech mm-hmm. to look at the isofy side of the business. We've got social media. We're we're all over the place. So just Google Portside Technology mm-hmm. and, and you'll find us. <laughs> Zach McNamara, CEO of Portside Technology and ISOFI. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Rich. It's been a blast. I really enjoyed hearing Zach's story and how the different experiences he's had over the course of his career led him to entrepreneurship, portside technology, and ISOFI. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode. Vistio's unique approach to optimizing contact centers uses proprietary technology and AI to enhance the abilities of each agent instead of replacing them, quickly turning new hires into agents and agents into subject matter experts. Visit them at vistio.io to learn more. I also want to thank Ernest and the team at the Charleston Digital Corridor for their partnership and support. Look for us wherever you find your favorite podcast. And while you're there, leave us a rating or review and subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, follow the Charleston Digital Corridor to stay up to date on all of the happenings here in Charleston. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the CDC Tech Life Podcast.